Hi, and welcome to Ways to Wellbeing with Sue Fullergood. You're listening to your Route to Wellbeing podcast. This podcast aims to share strategies, nuggets, and tools which will inspire and support you as you step boldly towards creating the well-being that you desire and deserve. Each week, I want to share insights and inspiration from different people with expertise across one or more of the 11 different domains of well-being. Each one of our guests has found clues through their lives and their careers and knowledge that we want you to have access to. The question is, how can we all pulse with energy and live while we're alive? I believe that these people that I am lucky enough to talk to have some of the answers. So tune in, relax, and listen up. Thank you for listening in. Hi, I'm Sue Fullergood from the Energy Incubator and the author of The Sweet Spot. And I am so excited to have with me here today, Dr. Mel, Melody Faree, um, who is here to share some of her incredible wisdom around the gut and around holistic health. She calls herself an holistic health practitioner. And I really wanted to have her insights here on our podcast uh, your route to well-being, because I'm absolutely certain that uh, she's onto something when she says that everything stems from the gut. I'm absolutely certain that if we can make our guts healthier, even if it's just a baby step healthier, we're going to take ourselves, our minds, our bodies, and our spirits one step closer to that elusive state of well-being that um, we all deserve and that I am seeking to help you find. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with us today, Mel. It really is a treat for me. We met uh, several years ago. Indeed. um, Through, um, I can't even remember how we met, actually, to be honest. Uh, It was just a divine flow, Sue. It must have been. It must have been. And, uh, and you have taught me a lot about the gut and, and about healthy nutrition. So I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really hoping that we can download a lot of ideas out of your head for our listeners. Right. To be Wonderful. So let's rock and roll. And uh, I'd love you to just take the microphone for a moment and tell the listeners what you would love them to know about you and about how you came to be an holistic health practitioner. What drew you into gut health um, as your passion? Can you share that with us? It's, you know, it was was part of the life-death-life experience. I was in a corporate uh, paradigm and living a very different life, very high-stressed. And at the peak of all of that stress, I had neglected myself. And that is really what it boils down to. We are so focused. I think particularly as women in business, we have a point to prove because we're fighting the paradigm of the masculinity um, and we surrender our femininity in that process. And our bodies are just designed so differently. We need a different type of support and nurture. And I missed all of that in my youthfulness. I say in my stupidity because it was just, you know, lack of knowledge. 
Um, and I broke. That's technically what happened. I broke myself. I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't sleeping properly. At some point, I was also on some pharmacology to try and help with sleep and, and, and the stress levels. And I'd just taken a different path. Um, and I had a wake-up call. I, I had gone off hiking in the mountains, broke a leg in three places, and I had this immense, beautiful connection to myself where I went, gosh, this broken leg is a reflection of my life. Things are broken, and I need to do a 360 turn. Prior to that, though, I was already inspired through a other health crisis to start studying natural medicine. Um, and so I'd already started the path with this planned exit strategy. And I think God had a bigger plan for me, <laughs> broke my leg and said, now you will sit still and really review life. And it was in that beautiful epiphany of a moment where I went, everything must change. And I made one of the boldest, I suppose at the time they thought it was a midlife crisis decision to pursue medicine wholeheartedly, heal myself naturally, go on a crazy adventure, and then to turn that knowledge into wisdom, of course, because you must have those experiences, and share what I know right now with everybody else that I encounter who is walking a similar path, who doesn't necessarily have the time and the energy to do a 360 like that, and really just to give folks the shortcut. So I took the long, hard road, which I think most healers do. As you know, you've had your own journey as well, where um, incident and accident gives you new teachings and it's it's not an easy recovery but with that wisdom you give everybody a shortcut um, into how they can do it differently and that they don't have to go the one way <laughs> they can actually go the easier way um, and that's yeah that's in a nutshell how I came to be um, and and my work now is really just as a wisdom keeper is uh, I'm constantly evolving in my own knowledge and wisdom in the, in the natural medicine arts. And it allows me to assimilate that information very quickly and give people just what they need right now, those short tidbits to actually influence change in their life. And of course, the gut is at the root of all of that. And, and hence, in my own um, healing processes found that as I started to heal my gut and change how I was eating, I had this profound recovery. I lost 40 kilos in literally six months and I got my energy back. I started to sleep differently. Um, and I went, wow, you know, it, this is possible. We actually deserve this. And I did that unmedicated, which was even more profound. Amazing. Uh, I'm going to pick up, um, as I love to do when I listen to people share their stories, um, uh, the, the word art, and I find it so um, amazing that you call medicine, natural medicine, an art. And, uh, and I echo that so much because I've so often said that the work I do is actually an art form based in science, yes. which sounds like yes. a, yes. <laughs> a complete, um, I don't know, um, oxymoron, if you like. But actually, Indeed. it is an art form because so much of what we um, learn about the body um, isn't based in complete science because one size doesn't fit all. So you can't yes. easily test um medical things um in a scientific uh, fashion because what works on one person doesn't work on another and everybody's body is somewhat different so yeah, i love that you call it an art form and thank you for sharing your story and uh, as you thank know you. My, as yours to a large degree having just yes. 
broken just about everything in my body and had to heal from that. So what a long journey. It is quite. <laughs> and uh, I hope I don't have to go down that road again. But um, yes, we can prevent other people having to go down it then happy days. So tell me a little bit about why gut health is so important. Um, can you summarize that in a few minutes? Because I know you've been doing sure. it for years and years. So, yeah. I mean, yes, absolutely. I suppose we can summarize. I mean, you know, we st it's still unfolding. This is the thing. So there's new science all the time. But you know, we could go back a few hundred years and go, there was a lovely gentleman. His name was Hippocrates. And he said, all disease begins in the gut. And I always like to turn that into a positive and go, okay, therefore all wellness begins in the gut. And, you know, my, my epiphanies came through different types of um, beautiful downloads in study. And I'd like you say in medicine, the art form is the quantum. So we just, you wake up one day and you go, oh, wait, this is so important. And we can't take the body and strip out all of our organ systems and just look at the heart as a heart and as a stomach as a stomach or the colon as a colon, because there's this beautiful divine fascia it's almost like this very thin, delicate membrane that runs over every single organ and that it turns out that our brain is connected to our heart, is connected to our gut. Therefore, it is all entangled. And if we go to the center of our being and say, therefore, if the gut is in the center of our being, it's this place of emotionality, but it's also a place that's connected to our our knowledge, our wisdom, and, and it, it reaches far beyond us because now we know that the gut interweaves into every single organ system. And so we've heard um, you know, many terms of the gut-brain axes, and there's a gut-heart axis, and there's a gut-mental axis. And I suppose they'll coin just about everything. There'll be a gut-toe axis as well at some point and realize our feet are connected to the gut. And, um, you know, then joking around about saying, well, our feet is, you know, is it possible that the feet are connected to the gut? Well, yes, because when we put our feet in the soil and we touch all of that different microbiome and that starts to cultivate on our skin, and it turns out our skin is actually really connected to our gut because we look at the mouth and we, you know, follow the flow of the skin inside and it goes all the way down, all the way right down to the exit strategy. Um, it turns out that our skin is also part of the gut and that these beautiful bacteria that we walk in the soil cultivate on us and they are part of our health and vitality. And I think what we're seeing now as well with doctors like Dr. Zach Bush and Dr. Mark Hyman um, stepping into the soil as opposed to from the medicine arts going through the systems, the bodies, they've already done that, they've learned about that. They're now all stepping into the soil and going, but what's in the soil matters. And um, these organisms that are growing on the plants, they matter too. And that what's growing on an orange is significantly different to what's growing on a pear to what's growing on a blueberry. And as we partake of those different foods, we start to cultivate and culture a huge diversity of biome. And that each and every one of these organisms is doing something different within the different parts of the body. So we have bacteria in the mitochondria that are part of our ATP process, which is really just um, the, the electric spark, if we want to call it, of life. And it gives us our beautiful energy. 
um, right down to our immune system. As we, as we know, when we're babies, we're born without an immune system and Bifidobacteria infantis teaches the immune system how to start recognizing the self from the non-self and that it teaches the baby's body how to react to the world around it. So there's bacteria involved in our immunity and our heart beats because of bacteria sitting on the neurons in the gut. We have more neurons in our gut than our brain, but we also have these beautiful neurons that are similar to brain neurons in the gut and on the heart. And that certain bacteria is firing up on these neurons and there's a beautiful response on the heart and the heart beats because of bacteria as well. <laughs> and science is unraveling more and more of that. So it's so intertwined with everything. And apart from then taking it into the mental side of it, we also are understanding that mental disorders, again, come from the gut. Um, if we want to help children with autism, the very first place we need to go is to go nurture and heal the gut and get bacterial diversity in and we can actually bring those symptoms from high to medium to low, and for some different disorders right down to remission. Um, so the gut is really, I would say, probably the first brain, and it's our heart and soul, for want of a better word, because everything is rooted in that. It's, so there's so many things in what you've said, but the first thing I want to really um, hone in on is, you know, we are all so intertwined with all that there is. We're so interconnected and yeah. us humans have got this dreadful habit of trying to isolate ourselves, isolating ourselves uh, from the worlds often. Um, in South Africa, we put up great big walls around our houses and we try and lock up the outside world. And then as humans trying to um, keep ourselves clean and sanitized and um, and separate from uh, the plant world and the natural world. And I, I just think it's so beautiful the way that you explain it that we are so reliant on other or living organisms for our own healthy functioning and if only we could step out of that um mentality of trying to isolate ourselves and keep ourselves sanitized and clean and separate from the rest of nature and from uh, the organisms that run the world i mean i just think of the devastation we must have created through COVID with all that yeah. sanitizer that we put all Absolutely. over the and, and try to, you know, put on masks and keep our own bacteria separate and, and viruses and whatever separate from everybody else's when in fact we rely on the diversity of the microbiome, on, on our microbiome being able to mix with everybody else's. So uh, yeah. we are just absolutely... Uh, reliant on being part of nature and being um, an integral part of all that there is. Um, For sure. <laughs> something else I was going to say, but I've clean forgotten what it is. It'll come <laughs> so do you want to talk a little bit more to that and maybe to, to the damage that we've done with COVID and what yeah. we can do uh, bringing ourselves back to a state of health now that... Indeed, indeed. Well, you know, the thing is that if we look at the human race, we've been around for quite some time and there have been way worse diseases and disorders and pathogens out there. Um, so in all honesty, uh, we should be more afraid of somebody with hepatitis preparing your salad in a restaurant. And yet we don't think about that. Um, somebody with 
a lung disorder of some sorts. And in South Africa, we do have very high cases of TB sneezing all over your pizza. And we don't think about that. So I do feel that some of our logic just didn't prevail. We have this beautiful immune system and it has protected us for thousands of years already. And it knows what to do. And all we did by masking up and over sterilizing our hands was that we actually robbed the immune system of the ability to start cultivating a knowing of this non-self organism. And so it has indeed created some vulnerabilities. And I think what we've seen now over the last two to three years is that there've been all of these multiple strains and somebody that maybe didn't fall ill in 2020 per se got quite ill this year because we hadn't cultivated um, that immunity against this, you know, transmuting, uh, because it changes all the time, this transmuting organism. And, you know, Mother Nature is so beautiful and delicate. Yes, when she unleashes her wrath, it is incredibly difficult for us to even rationalize what's going on. But she dilutes herself the whole way. So she unleashes a wrath. There's a consequence. Um, and I think, you know, in all of nature, um, we know that there's the philosophy of the strong will prevail. And I think it was such a shakeup to humanity to go, oh, my goodness, how has my lifestyle and my lack of nurturing self actually Im impacted my immunity? And how does this um, now as a reflection warrant a change in my life? Should I be eating differently? Um, should I isolate myself for a moment in time? I think it's given us a lot of points to ponder. Uh, if I look at people's hands and I go, gosh, what have we done there? Because we were sterilizing our hands. And again, no logic prevails. Your hands aren't the only thing that touches everything else. You know, these bacteria and these organisms are schluffing off you literally as you walk, they shake off you. As you lie on your cushion at night, they come off your face. And so we weren't bathing in, in sterilized fluids, but we were over sterilizing our hands. And so what we've done is we've actually aged ourselves prematurely um, in those spaces because we have these replication cycles. Our skin is designed to replicate every certain amount of days. But by destroying the microbiome on your hands, you forced an imbalance that forced a new replication cycle. And it would be by no consequence when people hold their hands up and go, they're a little bit older and they're a little bit more wrinkly now. Um, and, and the skin on your hand looks significantly different to the skin on your body, which might actually still appear quite young. So if that doesn't show us that when we do things like that, we are upsetting a delicate balance because it's not discretionary. It doesn't, those type of things that we do, even an antibiotic that we may take, doesn't understand good from bad. It just destroys all. And that's where the problems come in. And, and bacteria have got such a bad rap now oh. in the world. I mean, everybody's terrified of bacteria. I know um, some of my patients tell me that they, they never hold on rails in public places and so on. They, they, they you know, constantly feel that they need to be washing their hands. Um, and, and actually, at least 95, if not more, percent of bacteria are life-giving. We can't be yeah. so God help us if we keep cleaning them using Dettol on our 
kitchen counters and and metal on our hands and and bodies um i think that's really something that people have missed or haven't fully understood that correct most bacteria are not pathogenic and i think you know when you look at the when you look at life and you go um i'm 48 years young and so for 45 of those, I touched every rail and I hit the lift buttons and I got to that 45 years of beautiful life um, reasonably unscathed. So, you know, what was that worry point for the last part? Um, look, let's be honest, some rails are really gross and grim and it, you don't particularly want to touch them. But, you know, being, um, I suppose, being overcautious um, it puts a strange fear into the body. And, and the thing is that our minds are so powerful that we, cre we are creators. We are co-creators with God, with the universe, with each other for that matter. And so we can co-create drama in, in a heartbeat um, in certain cases. So over-focusing on all the wrong things rather than just embracing that 95%, as you say, those beautiful, healthy, life-giving organisms and focus on those because when you touch a rail and you touch a plant, are there some of those as well that could be beneficial to you? And the answer is absolutely yes. So for one fear, we deprive ourselves so much of the beauty of the other side of it, which is that beautiful balance. Again, it really is just about balance. And hot water, just washing your hands in hot water is more than enough to destroy most germs, as we know, viruses can't live beyond 40 degrees. This is why the body makes a natural uh, temperature. When we unwell, we get a fever. And it's that fever that burns through the system that actually destroys a virus. So we don't wash our hands in boiling water, but hot water just over 40 degrees would actually do the trick. And we know that Mother Nature, I mean, she's so intelligent. She's given us apple cider ferments and that vinegar is a sterilizer and squeezing lemon over your kitchen counter and just wiping that over does exactly the same. So we could follow a more natural approach if we were concerned and worried. But you know, the thing that always gets me is that same person who's scared of touching the rail does order a pizza and has no idea if the person preparing the food washed their hands and was as diligent as you are. And you don't know if they sneezed over your pizza. And we don't ask those questions and it's gross. So it's strange that we focus so much on one place and we don't actually see the bigger picture around us. I hope I and haven't freaked those folks out. <laughs> let me just calm them down because we need diversity. So we need yes. our bacteria to mix with somebody else's. So if somebody did sneeze over your pizza, it's okay because their yep. bacteria are going to mingle with yours and the diversity is going to make your body stronger. So don't freak out and sound like So there's, there's, no, there's no thing as, you know, coincidences. And I do believe that the greater power beyond us conspires for us. And so perhaps you needed that healthy organism. Uh, it's the same as mosquitoes. You know, those are the little inoculators. It bites you and then it bites me and I get a little bit of something and I now have an auto uh, a, a immune response to it and I now build up an antibody to that. So everything has its place. And I think it's, um, it's our unknowing. It's, uh, it's our lack of wisdom that allows us to respond very quickly to something and we don't understand the bigger picture at all. Mm -hmm. 
And um, and so, what should we be doing to cultivate a healthy microbiome? What what do we do to support our well, body? So Let's diversity is key. I mean, that's the that's the ultimate word. Diversity is key, and we get the the diversity from the plant and the fruit kingdom specifically. Um, so I would always say to somebody, eat more plants. You know, this is so important. Try and eat them organic because that way we know that they've been grown um, in a way that hasn't in, been exposed to pesticides and herbicides, which again then destroy biome, which is a big thing. Um, so, I, I, you know, my idea is go with organic, go with things you grow yourself because the plants are growing for you. Every time you walk past your own cabbage and you I mean, they're cheeky and they want you to talk to them. So when you do that, they actually grow medicine for you. They have an understanding of you. And all of that bacteria in the soil now is diversity. And there's even science to prove this. You know, there was a beautiful documentary done where a gentleman in Australia actually worked with, a, with somebody who tested the microbiome. And he had a, a fairly, I would say, probably fairly average diet. A lot of junk food, a lot of meat eating. Um, not much of plant uh, diversity. And so they tested his microbiome and he actually had a very low count of different bacterias. Um, in other words, his microbiome wasn't diverse at all. And all he did, the simplicity of it, came across to South Africa, hit Namibia, walked around with the Bushmen, and he put every little leaf, every little bulb, every little root that they dug up in his mouth. And he, so he didn't eat all of the modern vegetables we have, he ate of indigenous foods. That was the, the idea. And he spent about a month with them. So in as little as a month, headed back home. And they then did a microbiome test again. And he had this insane amount of diversity. So he had just by eating different roots and leaves and bulbs cultivated an entirely new microbiome with species that he never had before. And that's just so beautiful to understand because it means then, is it really that simplistic? Yes, it is. Eat more plants, eat more of the fruit kingdom, try and eat it organic, of course, because then we know the biome of those plants hasn't been tainted. And in that, you will cultivate diversity. And then there's other ways we can um, support the microbiome because sometimes we aren't exposed to organic plants or we don't have enough diversity in our market spaces. And so we can put a good probiotic into the system and that can be done in a multitude of ways. The, my favorite of course, is to go with fermented foods. And I think this is where you and I actually forged our there first knowing of this through a fermented foods um, a journey. And, you know, so sauerkraut being the fermented cabbage has the broadest spectrum of the lactobacillus species. So you get really wonderful diversity from that. Um, then things like your kimchi and your fermented veggies, again, a very broad species, right down to something like a fermented milk culture, be that a coconut kefir, a water kefir, or a dairy kefir. Um, there you get your your AB culture, so that's where a little bit of the acidophilus, the things that we typically find in yogurt, and those species do something different in the body again, so very prevalent in immunity and supporting that system. Uh, right down to kombucha, which I think is modern favorite, and, um, and obviously, you know, the mushroom itself is in a, its own fermentation process, drinking tea and then creating a byproduct, which is actually a ferment. 
Um, the thing, of course, is diversity. Do a little bit of everything. Eat the colors of the rainbow because every single color of a plant or a fruit is giving something different to the body. And if you do that, you actually really do have the secrets to wellness. And I think for most folks, they'll realize I never mentioned sugar. I never mentioned gluten. I didn't really mention dairy. And I didn't mention the meat kingdom because those kingdoms are tainted and they are not actually offering health health to the biome or offering biome to the body, but those are actually foods that are inflammatory in nature or they are dead in nature and those are harming the microbiome. So if we eat a little bit less of that or not at all, we would greatly benefit and nurture our microbiome as well. For those that don't understand the word microbiome, because I didn't actually explain that, that's just the cosmic soup. It's everything. It's all the bacteria, the fungi, the viruses, it's everything, good and bad bugs, all in a collective little bowl known as the microbiome. Okay, so so um, I often say to people, it's really simple. If God made it, eat it. And if man made it, avoid it as best you can. 100%. Uh, 100%. But I was saying, because uh, I mean, people would say God made cows that give us dairy and, and you know, animals that give us meat. Uh, so you're saying uh, try not to have um, dairy and meat. Too much. <laughs> well, Too much, yes. it's the how. It's really the how. It's not that meat is a problem and it's not that dairy is a problem. It's just the, the modern way of growing the animals and the modern way of actually creating dairy has changed from the old days. You know, if you go down into the little villages in Italy and they still have a um, an organic cow, and I say organic as in the cow hasn't had any genetic modifications because most of our cows are actually genetically modified. That cow actually produces a different quality of milk and that milk has a completely different protein. So uh, in, in terms of dairy, goat has a type of protein that's not inflammatory, but our dairy cows have the opposite of that. And so that's where the inflammatory responses come in. Um, the meat kingdom is, it's a terrible kingdom because uh, meat is beneficial to the body. It does help the body with certain nutrients. But again, how's it raised? What are those animals fed? How are they brought to slaughter? The way we used to do it in the ancient was, um, it was feast and famine. So we would hunt. And sometimes we would have the privilege of meat in the village. In other words, maybe once a week you were privileged to eat that little bookie. But we can go hunting every single day. Sometimes we go hunting three times a day and we're off to Woolies, we buy bacon, and then we go back, we buy some chicken breasts and we go back and we buy some steak for the evening. And so what's happening is we're actually eating certain foods just too much of that. And we're not asking the same questions. How was it raised? What was it grown with? What did it eat? Because those things taint that particular product and then make it more inflammatory and harder for the body to work with. So we get a little bit of the good stuff and then we get a whole lot of bad stuff in the mix as well. So it's almost like tipping the scales of justice and we're not quite balancing it out. Um, so it's not that I have a problem with those kingdoms. I think they're wonderful kingdoms. And gosh, you can showcase a piece of steak beautifully when you cook it as a chef. Um, it's hard to make a carrot sexy on a plate. But, um, but we do need to ask the question, how was this raised? What did it eat? What antibiotics, hormones, steroids have they given this animal to make it grow so quickly? 
And does that put my health at risk? And if I can source it more sustainably, almost, almost as if I were hunting it myself, um, then it would be better for my body to indulge in. So, so much of what people think about when they think about um, food is weight. And, and there's such yeah. an epidemic of, of obesity in, in the Western world. Um, and I think that this has been a part of the problem. I mean, I see so many people that are still doing the banting way of eating. And I have nothing against banting. Yeah. If it works for your body, because I'm all about tune into your body and see what works for you. Yeah. But that has led many, many people to literally be living on meat and and uh, right. cutting out ruthlessly so many of the colorful vegetables, which right. now supposedly have too much carbohydrate in them. And and can you talk a little bit to that? Because um, yeah. I think that's often led to um, malnutrition, actually, to, to people. And really other other diseases and disorders, which is really yeah. a, a big thing. So and you then know, they have the to get a vitamin supplement, and then they have to oh, yeah. Yeah. Of to be able to do what it can do so naturally. Absolutely, Sue. You know, the thing is, it comes with, again, it comes with a lack of wisdom. Some of these diets were created for various reasons. You know, you mentioned banting, and keto is pretty similar to that principle, um, cutting out the carbohydrates, going on to a more meat-orientated diet. And, and actually, the trick about this is not the fact that you're eating that amount of meat. What you're also cutting out is you're cutting out sugar. In some of these diets, you're cutting out alcohol. You're cutting out gluten specifically. And then you are overdulging in one kingdom of food. The risk of that is that these diets weren't created to be done for indefinite periods of time. They have relevance if you're doing it quickly to get a result. But the problem is much like uh, we get a script for our thyroid medication and we get a three month script. And then we go with our cheat code to the pharmacist that likes us and we say, I need, a, I need that repeat. And we don't go see the practitioner and we don't retest. So we actually have no idea has our body adapted. And, and then year in and year out, you just keep taking your meds. And one day you realize, oops, things don't feel right. And then the doctor tests you again, but you haven't been tested for this period of time. And it's the same with these diets is that we start to get these beautiful results. And it's the fear of, I don't want to put that weight back on. So I'll just keep pursuing this diet. And we don't realize that the first three words in that word diet are die. What dies? Diversity. <laughs> so it's so funny because the words all latching. I love the English language. Die, diversity, diet. It's so interesting. We lose a lot of that diversity. And a, a high meat eating diet isn't in our favor as women because it pushes us then next into estrogen dominance. And estrogen dominance wants to make you voluptuous and poofy. So on the cheat days where you do grab a pizza or you grab a glass of wine with the girls or a nice little piece of cheesecake with the ladies in the afternoon, you're going to put weight on because your body sees you coming. And she's like, I'm going to hold on to all of those other nutrients right now. And I'm going to make you feel very uncomfortable because you're depriving me of that beautiful diversity. The cheat codes to weight loss are really simple. Nurture your gut microbiome, put in good probiotics. Stay away from sugar in all forms. Stay away from gluten, if you can, in all forms. Stay away from alcohol. This is a big crutch in modern society. It's liquid sugar. 
stay away from it in all forms. And when we do that in a logical way that allows all of our hormones to come back into balance, the natural byproduct of a healthy body is weight loss. It's a positive side effect. So if we're gaining weight, we are doing something wrong. We need to figure that out. Rather than crash diet, we lose it quickly, which is incredibly harmful to our organs because all of that gunky, gooey stuff that's in a fat cell, that's toxins. And it's a lot of extra um, uh, estrogens and other hormones, it's gooey things, put burden on the liver and the colon that now has to work through that stuff. You know, if you lose 10 kilograms, let's just say 10 kilograms, we all know what a pocket of potatoes looks like at 10 kilograms. And if you open up that pocket of potatoes and you scatter it on your lounge floor, and you take a look at the 10 kilograms you've just lost, you poop that out because that's the only way the weight came out. You didn't sweat it out. You didn't sleep it off. You pooped it out. And all of that dirty byproduct had to run through your kidneys, through your liver, through your colon. So what we often do is we lose the weight and that's wonderful, but we've put the other organs in a toxic state. And there's consequence to that. And unfortunately, that's one of my other specialities. And that's actually where my, the birthing of my, um, my medical knowledge came from, is that can lead to certain types of cancers. And so these high meat-eating diets are not our friend in that sense, because there's a much bigger consequence to pay so much later in life when you've actually damaged your liver and at 60, your liver's screaming at you. And then we lean into another doctor and hope that they can wave a magic wand. And sometimes they can, but sometimes they really can't. So it's that lack of wisdom. It's slow and steady. When we put weight on, it didn't happen overnight. And, and that's the other thing. You don't wake up one morning and you're 20 kilos heavier. You've been eating your way towards that over the last three or four years. So it may take a little bit of time to lose. And it's ridiculous to think that we can do these diets and try and lose this weight in 20 days or 30 days. Is it possible? 100% possible. But what is the knock-on effect to your vessel? And this is a holy, holy, holy temple. It takes you through all of life's experience. And you and I have both learned if you break something and you can't walk for a while, you can't walk into life's experiences. You can't serve your audience properly, your clients properly, or fulfill um, other parts of your life properly. So we should really look after the vessel a little bit differently. I love that. And I, I, I just think what you said about weight is so true. If you're gaining weight, it's because something's not working properly. Even if you're craving food, instead of blaming yourself and saying, I've got no discipline, I'm such a bad person, whatever it is that you say. I'm such I know, a, we're so hard on ourselves. Saying these awful things to themselves. But, but what is it really telling you? Something is not working right. And how can you investigate that uh, with wisdom and compassion and curiosity, non-judgment, and find the missing link and, and see how you could actually do things differently? So my um, invitation to listeners is listen to what Mel is saying and, and you know, nothing against any particular diet, but if any one of them had ever been proven to be magically, f fabulously effective, then everybody in the world would be skinny. And it isn't like that. First of all, we're not meant to all be the same. And second of all, um, you know, it is really about a wise set of choices made day in and day out, year in and year out. There's no magical solution. 
So what do you, what to do about cravings, Mel? What so many Me. people are struggling with anxiety and uh, stress and uncertainty, and that's leading them to have a lot of cravings. Can you talk a little bit to that? Um, Absolutely, sure. Yeah, well. <laughs> So I have some interesting philosophies on cravings, obviously, because um, most cravings are nutritional deficiency related. So very often a craving for sugar is indicating to us that we are magnesium deficient and that we should actually then supplement. And in fact, most women, 90% of us are magnesium deficient, sadly. Um, when we look at other types of cravings, there are different organisms growing inside of us and they have some cravings, they have some demands. So when we eat of the meat kingdom, we are unfortunately vulnerable to a pathogen called a parasite. And we've already seen in humanity, 95% of us have parasites. Now, when you decide to do a deprivation or an elimination process, and let's say for a little moment in time, you eliminate meat because you'd like to give your body cholesterol a chance to recover. Your liver needs to break down some of the animal fats that have been build, building up over the years. What happens is that that little vitamin B inside of you that is so used to getting that lovely piece of chicken suddenly doesn't get it. And now he's technically starving, um, much like your own cravings. And so what happens is they send a neurological because they're intertwined with you. They hook in and their nervous system becomes part of your nervous system. And they send a little message up to the brain going, hey, Kui, you, human up there, please, please give me another piece of meat. And so we find that, you know, if you start eating a lot of meat, you really actually can't stop yourself. You keep going back for some more and you keep going back for some more. And those cravings are quite real. I think any good woman will tell you, if I do not give my hubby that chop at night, he is grumpy and unhappy. But it's not him. It's the parasites asking for that. And so we have to actually do some cleanses rather and then say, well, let's just address those pathogens. Let's look at how do we do a parasite cleanse and we get that environment calmed down, and then we can go through an elimination. Um, much with the sugar craving as well, if it's not a magnesium deficiency, it can be candida, which is another pathogen growing inside of our gut. It's more actually a fungi, a fungus. And she's a tricky one because she really is very hungry for sugar. So normally, if we have these over um, compulsion, you can't walk past the cake shop without buying a cake, one should probably check and see if they have candida overgrowth. And it really does come by nature of stress. High stress is a, a direct cause. Um, our municipal water is quite dirty, so it causes imbalances in the gut. And then also certain foods that we eat. And unfortunately, as all women, we've all borne the brunt of this, is you go to, to the doctor, you're not well, you get an antibiotic, and they try and give you an interflora to mitigate what the antibiotic does. And we get, we get thrush. Um, which then technically is candida. And that is that sugar feeder. So a lot of cravings aren't related to you not having self-will. It's related to organisms inside of you that actually override your neurological facets. They override your logic. So do you have self-will? You know, we say we all have a choice, but sometimes you don't have a choice. This organism is way stronger than you, and it's just getting you to reach out for that cupcake all the time. And so we want to mitigate and get that environment, that, in, that, that gut microbiome and gut balance right, and a lot of these cravings go away. Other cravings that are nutritionally 
deficient related is yes, you know, your body has a way of talking to you. And the thing is that in modern society, we are so, so busy distracting ourselves. We are on our phones, we are trying to entertain conversations, or we're working late, and we're not listening to how our body's speaking to us. And it speaks quite loudly in the form of a headache or an inflammatory response. Maybe you have lower back discomfort or you wake up in the morning and your elbows and your knees and your shoulders are sore. That's your body talking to you saying, hey, something's wrong. And it's not normal to feel like that. When we then bring in beautiful diversity and again, this color of the rainbow thing, you know, not all carbohydrates are bad. It's the junk carbohydrates that we buy that are refined and processed that actually cause sugar spikes in our body and then cause insulin resistance or possibly even lead to diabetes and cause weight gain. But the carbohydrate in a sweet potato is an energy giver because it's a slow release. It burns differently. So when we partake of that potato, we now have a different nutrient profile and our body is happy. Um, introducing healthy fats is another wonderful way to make sure that we have energy givers. So our avocados, our olives, our chai seeds, these things give back to the body. And then we find that some of our cravings also sit down. And then there's neurological cravings. Um, let's call it the hungry, angry philosophy. You know, we all, we try and do these um, intermittent fasts, which are good, bad um, in their own right. And sometimes we just break over the sweet spot. And I love your book, The Sweet Spot, you know, because there is a sweet spot in life. For women, intermittent fasting, the sweet spot is 14.5 hours. Anything beyond that, the body starts to freak out. So now we put the body under stress. So our adrenals go into stress our brain suddenly sends a message to go, oh, I'm being deprived of energy. And if I don't have energy, I will die. That's literally what the brain's thinking. And now it sends this crazy message to you. So you get this hungry, angry rev, you know, you become the grumpy monster at three o'clock in the afternoon. And of course, there's a logic. Um, even in nature, there's a beautiful logic is that what we would do is grab for the easiest food, that would give us immediate energy and that would be a sugar or a carb and it's generally the bad one. So we'll grab the cake, the, the cupcakes, the pasta to give the brain that energy so it can stop freaking out. That's what cravings are. They're actually your body or your body's organisms talking to you. And the question is, are you listening? And if you're listening and you feed your vessel differently, those will calm down. Um, yeah, cravings in a nutshell. It's quite complex. <laughs> it is complex, and we could we could talk all day about that. But I think yeah. that one thing is for people to really start to know their own bodies, and and Correct. I think you know you read something in the Fair Lady about how valuable intermittent fasting is, and how if you carry belly fat, it's going to help you lose your belly fat, and so you come home and you give it a try. Uh, I don't have um, uh, anything negative to say about giving something a try, except yeah. to. Say Come with curiosity. Don't insist that because somebody in a magazine, some medical expert said it's going to be good for you. Don't insist that it is good for you. I know for myself, I can't possibly intermittently fast if I mean, maybe it's because I've been on a plant based diet for 25 years. But if I don't eat in the morning, I'm, I'm tearful, I'm over emotional, I'm irritable. And I can't concentrate. So it just yes. doesn't work for my body at all. 
um, but it might work for somebody else's body magnificently. So know your own body and listen, as Mal says, to the signs. And cravings are a sign, as is pain and aches and pains. And don't be so quick to just eliminate the cravings. First, sit down and listen to them and see what they're trying to tell you. Yeah, love that. Absolutely. So, um, can you tell us a little bit more about mental health and the gut microbiome? Because mental yeah, health it's big. is such a thing in this uh, yeah. day and so many people are struggling with their mental health. And, and I think there's been this amazing upsurgence of um, awareness about the struggles of mental health, which mm. is so for. It's absolutely wonderful because leaving people in the cold and the dark to feel ashamed about their mental health challenge is, is cruel um, and devastating. But um, can you tell us how people can help their mental health situation with uh, their gut microbiome? You know, when we look at um, the stresses of modern society and we look at how our gut microbiome or our gut health is impacted in that, um, when we look at typical anxiety and depression, we look at depression as the soul retreat. It's a time to actually go within, to be introspective. It's a time of cocooning, much like the caterpillar weaving this beautiful cocoon over. And it comes as a consequence generally because of a trauma or an incident that we haven't been able to resolve correctly and we withdraw. Anxiety is fear of the unknown. So anxiety is more fear of the future which just leads us to a place where we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust the process. Perhaps we don't trust God. This is where faith is such an important thing. But as we go into this cocooning process and we start to nurture ourselves differently, we, we resolve and dissolve, we actually get to a point where we break out like that butterfly. Now, when you think about your normal day-to-day -day life, when you're eating a more plant-based diet, you are light. You're bringing in different color spectrums, you're bringing in diversity of bacterium, you're bringing in high frequency foods. We say high frequency because it's full of life. You know, an apple can still ripen off the tree, whereas a piece of chicken in, in the packaging, it, it's not going anywhere. It's just going to get worse from there. So, so this enlightened state of being is this place of clarity. When your gut is functioning properly, your body is detoxing. When you have this diversity, your body is functioning better. When your body functions better, your brain is running at optimum. So you have this beautiful clarity of thought and your external world reflects your internal world. So your coping mechanisms are better. You're far more resilient. When you are eating poorly, and you have a trauma come at you and you no longer feel like cooking for yourself because you're in a state of mourning or you're trying to deal with this incident in a certain way, you are then depriving your body. So some of your bacteria is dying and the life-giving things that they give you are no longer there. And so you start to die in a, in a, in a sense. You start to wither away and your mental construct withers away with that as well, because now the brain does not have clarity. It is busy processing the trauma. In other words, it's anchored in that past incident and you stay anchored and rooted in the depth of that. So you are not in a lightened state. You're in a very heavy, gooey, dark, low state. Um, and so 
modern world, we fluctuate between these paradigms. So we're kind of a little bit bipolar, in a sense, as a modern society, because sometimes we do well, we, we partake of a beautiful diet, we start to feel free and clear, and we lose weight, and we go exercise, and life is wonderful. And then we have an oopsie, um, let's say a COVID happens and we go into isolation and our world looks different and we're not too sure if we can pay our bills because we've had to close our businesses down. Now we're in that low frequency of worry. Oh, and, you know, at that point, we don't care too much. So we eat what we can. Lots of pastas. You know, it was it was the time of pastas and pieces and we were cocooning in and we were doing that. So we made ourselves gunky and gooey as well. And that gunky and gooey causes inflammatory responses, but it also feeds all the wrong organisms again. And so what's happened is our rational mind is no longer clear. And so we find that we are then wallowing in the states of stress, anxiety, for some even worse, depression, because of that unfinished business that they have to resolve. Mourning is a long process, and it's different for everybody. Um, the problem is that, you know, modern world says, well, we have a quick fix for that. Everybody's depressed. We'll just give you an antidepressant. In other words, against depression. <laughs> and of course, that causes a host of other glorious little things. It's not my favorite medicine on the planet, but it does cause addiction because there are dependencies created. And the brain is actually not free and clear. It's just masking some of that hard stuff in life that you didn't have the coping mechanisms to deal with. All I can ever say is if you are suffering from stress and anxiety, nurturing your gut, getting your microbiome diversity is absolutely one part of your healing journey. Finding a beautiful guardian of wisdom to sit with and speak and speak these things through and get a multitude of perspectives is equally important before you reach for a quick fix or a perceived quick fix and just cloud your mind completely. You know, when we look at that process, we're making this numb and we're not dealing with life. And at some point, you have to deal with those things. When we are free and clear, we are more resilient. And it is certainly easier for us to process some of the traumas and the incidents that have occurred. And your gut really is at the root of, of all of that as well. Thank you for putting it so clearly. Look, I, I know some people definitely do need uh, an antidepressant and and neither of, of us shouldn't take one if you need one. Uh, but you have to feel it to heal it. So if you Absolutely. take an antidepressant and you can't feel it, whatever it is that you've suffered from, then you're not going to be able to heal it. And it's going to take ever increasing numbers and doses of antidepressants to keep you functioning. Um, and anyway, numb isn't a great way to live. So it's not a long-term strategy, although it may be for some people. Uh, but yeah, I think so many different health. opinions. Yeah, so many different opinions on it. There's a time and place for everything. It's the same as antibiotics. There's a time and place for it. And if it is there to really save your life in that moment, um, then there is no harm in that. But you always have to have an exit strategy and you always have to have a way of weaning back into normality. Um, because as you said, living clouded is certainly not life at all. It's supposed mm. to be vibrant. It's sometimes it's wonderful. It's magical. And sometimes it hurts like crazy. That mm. is life. It is the ultimate contradiction. And it's got to go up and down. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> and we are we are um, equipped to deal with that. You know, I had 
um, uh, and, and a lot of traumas happened in my reality last year, including the loss of my sister in October. And, you know, it really was um, such a, an incredible trauma because I just didn't have any way of expecting it. No one did. Uh, just so sudden, she had a brain aneurysm. And, and the one thing that really struck me as I struggled to find the way uh, to, to come to terms with her, her passing um, was that we are, and death is so part of life, and, and we are so equipped to deal with these things, these traumas that occur uh, in our lives, um, but we have to trust the system. And it's hard to trust the system when you feel like you can hardly take a breath and you feel like you can hardly lift your head off the pillow because you're so overwhelmed by emotion. But there's a wisdom in that. And, and if we can just keep supporting our bodies and supporting ourselves, we will come out the other side of pretty much anything sure. that we can throw at us. So, yeah, Mel, we could talk all day, but I'd love to just get one or two nuggets that you could share with the listeners. I mean, you've given us so much, um, and I hope, I'm sure that most people who've listened to this are going to have to listen two or three times to download <laughs> all this information. But can you give us one or two little nuggets that we can take away that are easy for us to use um, yeah, so that we can support our microbiome a little bit better? Absolutely. So Michael Pollan, one of my favorite scientists, researchers, doctors and authors said, eat food, mostly plants, not too much. And I think if you live by that philosophy, you can't go wrong. One of your nuggets is, you know, is it made by man? So in other words, does it come off a tree or is it made in a factory? And if you ask those questions, you already know where to go. Um, turn your labels around. In fact, if it's, it has a label, it's not really the ideal food, but turn your labels around. And if you can't pronounce a few of those ingredients, you probably shouldn't put them in your body. And probiotics, 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 pro for biotic life. Get a beautiful, good probiotic into your body. If you don't know what's the better one, Sue, share my details, let them reach out. We've got great probiotics and great advice on that. And really cultivate the center of your being. Your gut, when you feed your body right, when you hydrate correctly, when you support those beautiful little bugs that are life-giving, and you get your feet in the soil, you've got to do this. You've got to ground yourself. It's so important. When you do that, the life-giving inspiration that sparks off and the vital energy that you get allows you to center so beautifully within yourself. It is so much easier to make better decisions for yourself. Emotion is just energy in motion. Is it positive energy in motion or is it negative energy in motion? And the biome is at the root of that again. And don't eat these terrible inflammatory things. And if you do partake of them, really, it shouldn't be your go-to. A glass of wine, really, a piece of cake, really, some pizza on a Friday night. But if you build resilience, you can lean into some of those things. And as you start to do better for yourself, and I think you said, Sue, consistency is key. A lot of good things every single day repeated gets you to a well-being. A lot of bad things every day repeated leads you to disease and disorder. 
if you do a lot of good things and one or two bad things, you probably will be resilient enough. It's like a seesaw. You just bring a bit of balance back in. So I, I'm so looking forward to beyond this, to beyond this knowledge share and what your beautiful viewers um, share with you and questions that might come out. Um, Sue, please, open door policy always with me. If anyone's reaching out and they need assistance, I am here to support you in your practice, to help you expand within their realm as well, and to share that wisdom that may very well change a life, but it may also save a life. Um, so bless you for this lovely opportunity to share some of this knowledge. And I really do hope for all of those out there that it's a little pool of wisdom they can take home and immediately implement that one new good thing consistently. Yay. And uh, Mel, don't leave it to me. Can you tell our listeners how can they get hold of you? What's the best way? Yeah. To oh, well, you know what? So I do have a website and, um, you know, some www.nourishedwellbeing.co.za. But I also am a co-founder of a beautiful company called Our Grounds. And I think the easiest is to find us at OG underscore wellness underscore SA. We're posting a lot of divine information there. And um, we have great remedies and great healing programs to help people optimize these different facets of their being. Some focus on gut, some focus on other things. Um, check us out. And, um, and failing that, of course, Sue, you have me. And please feel free to share my details with your folks as well. I will. And just so that the listeners know, I will write that because that sounds quite complicated. Underscore. <laughs> right. I will put that with you. details uh, on, on the um, podcast information. So Please you thank you. So thank you so, so much. And uh, Dear listeners, please take care of what you put inside your stomachs, inside your mouths. Your body is, is precious and it's, uh, and it's yours and it's there for your whole life and it's your teammate. Absolutely. Treat due respect it deserves. When I grew up, my, my mother used to say, you are what you eat. Um, and uh, I used to think she was completely mad. She drove me nuts because she wouldn't let me eat any of the food everybody else is allowed to eat. But I can't thank her enough now um, because we really did grow up on on, on salad and, and vegetables. And, uh, and I think, you know, it's paid off for me because I really can feel the vitality that those vegetables and salads have given me. And, uh, and, uh, and just one last thing. Remember um, when you have... Um, connection with other people, when you have sexual intercourse or any kind of sexual connection, you are getting diversity into your system. So Indeed. don't sterilize yourself. Don't avoid other people and touching them and hugging them and being close to other people. It's what gives you health and vitality. So may you all have a healthy microbiome. Thank you, Mel, for your amazing sharing. Thank you, Sue. And, uh, and I look forward to doing part two very very soon lovely bless you all take care bye thank you for listening to this episode of your route to well-being we hope that this has been astonishingly useful for you and we invite you to share it with other people in your network who you think could benefit from this conversation we would love for you to share the information because hey we all need help in this day and age. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.